Last couple of months, we're really, really ratcheting up our our coverage of of healthcare and and doing the healthcast series, which I really enjoy doing and getting a lot of positive feedback on. We have a we have a phenomenal guest this afternoon on on the show. Now I've known I've known Rayanne Grossman for a long time since her her time at uh, Gorman Health uh, when I first got into this business and and absolutely. Didn't know anything about what I was doing at all. I used to I used to call Rayanne up when I was at Community Health Plan of Washington out in Seattle, and she charged me like four hundred bucks to give me uh, four hundred bucks an hour to give me really good advice on, on how to run my risk adjustment programs and and how to do analytics and, and stratification and stuff like that. And, and Rayanne Rayanne's had so many roles that I can't even count all the roles. Like she's every other year she's getting promoted into into a C suite role or EVP role. Or some enormous role, but I know that uh, Rayanne Grossman now is with Cotivity, and she's their executive vice president of risk adjustment. I've been in risk adjustment for for quite some time, and and like to think myself uh, as a subject matter expert and a very well respected voice in risk adjustment. So it's it's my pleasure to have Rayanne Grossman on the show, and she's going to chat with us for for a few minutes about about her experiences what's what's going on Rayanne? thank you so much for for coming on it's it's i really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us well thank you very much i'm excited to spend some time with you and eager to share things all things risk adjustment or even beyond absolutely tell us now tell us a little bit about your background and your career and how i always ask people how did how did you get into the world of risk adjustment is that when you were when you were obviously when you were nine years old, were you thinking that, hey, one day I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be an executive and I'm going to work in the healthcare model for managed care and, and, and make sure that everybody gets proper reimbursement and I'm dealing with CMS and OIG. Like, how did you how did you get into the role that you're in? What did, what did you study? Walk us through your education background and kind of how you matriculated into the leadership role that you're in now. Uh, sure, happy to do so. So I have an undergraduate in a lot of science, so basically like a environmental science and public health science and biology. And in working with all that science, it really didn't seem like I was moving and you know influencing people. So I went back to grad school and got my master's in healthcare planning, really committing myself every day to kind of simplify patient care, make the physician's life easier and better, and make healthcare kind of this more cohesive experience and and obviously i'm still trying you know almost you know 25 plus years later it's it's you know not an easy task but certainly something that i'm committed to every day definitely what 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 would you say are you've you've been around and and you've seen the industry change in, in many different ways what are what are some of the things that you've seen in the industry that are different now than maybe they were when you started off in this business 
Absolutely. I think, um, you know, I started back in the days when it was Medicare plus choice. So there wasn't risk adjustment, there wasn't quality avoidances and mm. things like that. And so what what's interesting, I've set on um, the health plan side, I've set within a PHO and then also, you know, vendors to, to both sides. So I really feel like the government's more engaged and trying to be helpful. Um, it doesn't always uh, work quite the way they, they have planned. But I think, you know, as we watch CMS evolve, moving Medicare plus choice to Medicare Advantage, looking at risk adjustment to really make sure that people are being looked after every day so that we understand their health status um, through, you know, ICD-10s and then integrating it with quality. I really feel like the government's walking towards something better and, and with all their, um, you know, CMMI projects, um, they're really moving the needle toward, uh, you know, improving patient care and hopefully kind of easing the administrative components of care from the health system or from the physician perspective too. So that's, that's what I'm seeing now is that the government is stepping forward um, trying to be innovative, really engaging some extraordinary, you know, minds from the in the private industry and and um, welcoming kind of best practices. Why would you say, Rayanne? So if you're if you're just tuning in on 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 Urban One or any of our affiliates around the country, I'm talking to Rayanne Grossman, who's the executive vice president of risk adjustment for Cotivity. Kind of dumb it down. I don't want to say dumb it down, but but break it down in the layman's terms. So one of the things that we do on this show, we try to connect the listener, the end user to understand. So they, they would never get a chance to talk to a Rayanne Grossman or a John Gorman or people of your ilk. Break it down, the importance of risk adjustment. If I'm a member and I'm driving around the Beltway in D.C. and I'm on a Medicare and a Medicaid plan, why is the uh, why is it so important that that my company uh, that I that I entrust my healthcare with. Why is it so important that they have a good risk adjustment team and good risk adjustment practices? Yeah, that's a great question, um, and I, that's how I think about it every day. Actually, how do we make this simpler and think about it from the physician perspective or the patient perspective? So, um, risk adjustment is important because what what we are being asked to do is see the health status of the member today, and we use that to extrapolate or kind of do some math and uh, understand if they're getting better and if they need um, further care or if they're you know, not maintaining their health and getting a little bit worse with chronic conditions. And we wanna make sure that they have all the care that they need um, every day, you know, today, tomorrow, and, and next year. So risk adjustment is really um, typically the predictive cost of care represented mm-hmm. by a physician's um, complete evaluation. So it's really, what I think we're trying to do is make sure that there's good communication between the physician and the patient. There's great documentation so that that patient has the holistic, you know, care journey that they need to maintain their wellness. Now, tell us a little bit about some of the things that Cotivity brings to the table. So I've, I'm very familiar with with Cotivity, but but what is what is Cotivity's core competence, and and what are some of the things that that your team brings to the table? Absolutely. Um, you know, Cotivity is a little bit different than, than some might think. And so there's a fundamental cornerstone of Cotivity in payment integrity. I think we're actually best in class in payment integrity. And the opportunity that uh, Cotivity has brought to my doorstep was really to build um, an integrated point of view with risk, quality, network intelligence, mm. you know, clinical stratification. And then um, we were given the gift of ELISA, which is consumer engagement last year. So 
it's really what, what Cotivity is creating is a continuum from value-based reimbursement to value-based care. So it, it, we're trying to be best in breed, not just in payment, but in all those steps that the member takes with the health plan to making sure that they are, you know, feeling welcomed into their care journey and understanding the next step in their care journey. Now, what? Uh, so that's a that's a that's a very good synopsis, Rayan. What are some of the things that that vendors like Cotivity that are in that space? What do you specialize in? Do you have to have large analytics platforms? Do you have a lot of subject matter experts, people like yourself that's been in the industry a long time? What are the type of people that you have to surround yourself with to to have a successful venture? I think you know, first and foremost, everyone needs that um, intellectual curiosity. Like we don't want to do things the same way that we did yesterday. Every day we've got to innovate because the cost of care is, is really growing at an exponential level. So we, so to make healthcare affordable, we do need you know experts in the in the industry to again innovate. We need best in class technology with AI and NLP, and um, and we need as much data as, as we can possibly do. And I think you know as you know in risk adjustment and in quality and even in clinical um, stratification. Data is everything. Having, right. you know, agile data structures with intelligence is incredibly meaningful. Now, so that's that's all very interesting stuff. So I, I love talking to to the leaders and, and you know people like yourself that, that I look up to in this industry and, and have mentored me and you know I've worked with over the years. Um, I remember when I first got started in this industry. This is like around two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. Um, everything was really tied to in-home assessments and retro retrieval. I like to think, I know it's not true. I like to think that I was one of the best in the country at retro retrieval. Like I was pulling 93, 94% of charts back in 2009, 2010. Like I was really wearing the vendors out. And, um, you know, if you, if you had a plan that didn't really have a lot of prospective work, you're going to find a lot of money in retro really, really quickly and you're going to get promoted. And, 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 I, and I've had that advantage in my career to come in and find a lot of retro and then get promoted. As you really matriculate and learn this business, you realize um, I had a chance to run Hedis and Stars too. So you realize that everything's not just about uh, HCC risk adjustable codes, that the true healthcare continuum is about, like you said, making sure that people with chronic illness mitigate their illness or, or maybe even reverse their illness. So people that are in early stage CKD, how do I keep that person out of end stage renal? How do I keep the diabetic from developing complications um, that that lower their quality of life or even shorten their life? How do how do I have the best outcomes for people that have had strokes or, or have had cancers, things like that? I, I want you to talk a little bit about value based care, because I always say that when I grew up, when I grew up in risk adjustment, I actually was writing value based care contracts and rubrics and then going into provider groups and saying, this is how we can work together to have the best outcomes. Uh, it's not about the money as much. It's about if I can share premium and we can have five stars for diabetic management and keeping the A1Cs low. And if we can have fantastic outcomes for, for people that have arthritic conditions, things like that, we're going to have better cap scores. We're going to have better high scores. We're going to be a much better and healthy plan. And then we're going to, then we're going to get more reimbursement and, and be able to put more back into the benefits. So you have better transportation, you have better, now you see uh, food is medicine. You have a lot of uh, food programs that are, that are proliferating. Tell us about value-based care from your perspective as a senior leader that's, that's really seen this movie for many years. Yeah, I think I think to your point, you know, I 
been around before there was global cap. And then in right. even the late nineties, we took on global cap without risk and without stars. And so then you had $1 to spend and you had to figure out how to do that. Now, as you have risk and, and stars bonuses, um, you know, built from the HEDIS uh, cornerstones, it does get really interesting for, from a value-based care perspective. So I think one, it's, you know, we have to look at the chronic conditions first and foremost and understand um, what's important to, you know, have preventative kind of that wellness step. And, and yeah, of course, putting physicians into the home or making this robust in-office experience right. is wonderful. But keeping it simple, both for the patient and for the physician is really important. And so what we found is, you know, even though there's a lot of ICD-10 information, you know, you have, can have the most expansive um, clinical um um, CDI programs and things like that. If you really pick five to seven things that matter to both the patient and the physician, uh, it's going to do a lot better. So when you think about stars, obviously to your point, caps is really important these days. Right. So if you want to keep your patients happy and your members happy, how do you make their care journey simpler? And then yeah. also we think a lot about medication adherence as it becomes triple weighted, which right showcases itself really well from a risk and from a star's perspective. Live from the Paragon 7 Studios, you are listening to the Land J Radio Network. Paragon 7 Studios. He's the paragon of sports talk excellence, the Heisenberg of broadcast radio, the Wolf of Wall Street. You are listening to James Lewis III, host of the Lance J Radio Network.